from a bar mitzvah at the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem to a temple procession in Taipei. The people of our world are passionate about their beliefs. Are you listening? Tune in to the sounds of your world on Radio Taiwan International. You're listening to Radio Taiwan International. Up ahead this hour, it's Hashtag Taiwan, Taiwan Explained, and in the Spotlight. But first, we invite you to join us for a new episode of Here in Taiwan. And welcome to Here in Taiwan. Today is Thursday, May 28th. I'm John Van Trieste, and I'm joining the studio today by Shirley Lin. Hello. Up next, we'll be hearing one Uruguayan YouTuber's reaction to Taiwanese food, then how foreigners left stranded in Taiwan by the COVID-19 pandemic are banding together, and we'll also be giving you a look into the world of professional informers, people who are frequent informers to the police of traffic violations and so forth. Are they the bane of society or selfless do-gooders? We'll hear a discussion about that in just a moment. Please stick around. First up today, though, a look at Taiwan's strange love of eggs. <laughs> okay, so somebody was actually um, really curious about why almost everything you find in Taiwan, whether it's a local specialties, local dishes, or even like steak or what, or hamburgers and everything, people just like to add eggs. You know, these restaurants, they just like to add eggs. And so I've never you know, noticed that. <laughs> yeah, well, think about it. Um, let's uh, talk about like from breakfast. You know these breakfast places. Well, eggs There's are the, breakfast uh, food. That makes yes, sense. Yes, but then uh, let's say let's talk about salping. You know, it's this. Um, oh, what do you call this? Uh, it's a breakfast dish where it's um, like these uh, pancakes. Yeah, but like I said, eggs and, are, and they breakfast they go add together. Eggs in them. So that right. makes sense. To but me. actually, salping you can eat it by itself. But then people like to say, "Oh, I want to add an egg or something like that." Right. You can or, ask for an egg, and that's fine. Right. Or even like um, these uh, rice balls. And, you know, they add not exactly a fried egg, but they add maybe like a quarter of a um, boiled egg. Well, kind of like um, braised egg. Yeah. Right? Also, though, a breakfast like food. Like a tea. Yeah. So it makes sense to me. Oh, because it's breakfast food. So you yeah. think it makes sense. Okay. Now let's talk about the Taiwanese style steak restaurants. See, I don't really care for steak, so I don't See? know much about that. <laughs> okay. Now, the thing is that, uh, of course, there are these average priced steak restaurants in Taiwan. Yeah. I want to near me. If you want, you know, like real U.S. beef, you know, it's it, it can really cost you quite a bit. And so there are these Taiwanese style uh, steak restaurants where um, they get these um, maybe a, a thinner slab of beef and they put it on a skillet on a skillet right and then they add an egg they add an egg a fried oh. egg on it you've got a skillet might you, know, as well. you don't ask for it but they give you an egg anyway right yeah. or even like um, maybe beef noodle soup sometimes they put maybe half a boiled egg in there as well that. I haven't seen you know that. that kind of stuff okay. or other kind of noodles anyway and so you know they were asking this person was asking on this um, sort of like a chat platform he's saying that is it because Taiwanese people just love eggs or that the bosses of these restaurants just like to add eggs? Well, everyone needs their protein. I mean... Yes, that is true. 
And somebody was actually saying that's probably the only nutritious part of the meal is the egg, because everything else is like processed food. Like for example, steak. You know, at these Taiwanese style steak restaurants, they're probably the cheapest part of the beef you can ever find. And actually, they somehow add something to make it softer and less chewy and tough. Like a tenderizer. Yes. And that's why I'm they sorry. Some, I don't really like Taiwanese local style. They serve you know, some like vegetables on the side, though. That too, but they, oh, there's always an egg. <laughs> so that's there's probably like the only. Some, they usually the skillet usually has some like broccoli on it or something. It's not like yeah. that terrible. Or even spaghetti on the side. Yeah, that's a bit. For odd. like uh, the the yeah. That is a bit of a stretch for me, but um, <laughs> I know okay. it's so funny. Well, someone who's probably you know uh, really good at Taiwanese business, doing business, and also maybe even open up restaurants themselves and everything. Well, the thing is simply that it's it's quite uh, because usually the cost of an egg is like two NT, mm-hmm. but then you can make money out of it and charge it for like ten NT, which is like oh. five times the original cost you have of to sell an a lot of egg. eggs to make that yes. add up though well yes but if you've got a lot of people at a restaurant and ordering the same food and you're making a lot of money from adding eggs okay <laughs> so so ideally they say that that's really the answer at really? least to these um i really entrepreneurs. thought it was taiwanese people just like eggs because um this I is do the too. Only, it's the only place in the world i've ever been and there were plenty of convenience stores around asia but I, we are the only ones that have like hard-boiled eggs Mm. as a or like a standard like, part of they've got boiling pots of them and they're in tea specifically yes so like yeah there's a, there is a love of eggs yes so. and, and probably i mean you can be sure if you get an egg for the day that's probably the moon <laughs> you know you can be you can be sure it's nutrition in that meal for yeah. you having a because there's no other way they there's can not, have a fake egg it's egg real eggs and everything almost though. everything i mean i mean i'm thinking about stuff in the night market um like uh you know the um what do they call them the pepper um buns those don't have egg in them yeah, okay. So you just need one that doesn't have an egg. There's like but, plenty of stuff you can find that doesn't have eggs in it. It's not like everywhere. A, but there's also a lot of food that's got an egg. Like, you know, the oyster pancake. But that's part of what it's the pancake an is egg. made of, though. That's like a chief ingredient. Like, that's what the pancake is. It's not yeah. an extra. You Besides, couldn't make an oyster omelet without an egg. That's like it's because it's an part of omelet. The, yeah, it's right. like, just like you okay. couldn't make it without oysters. Like, that's one of the right. chief central ingredients. It would be just a... True. Massive cornstarch, otherwise. Uh, massive cornstarch. That's it. It's massive cornstarch. So make it. So you, know, you have make so it, the egg is, in, is it's, integral it's, to that. Right. It's not an additional thing. Right. Right. You won't find eggs on pizza. You won't but, find eggs on. Yeah, there's lots of things you won't find eggs on. But right. I can. I see what you're saying. But you see how you know steak restaurants in the states. Let's say, would you find an egg on a skillet with your steak though? <laughs> My family is not the kind that goes to those sorts of restaurants. <laughs> well, it got me thinking. I said that is so true. There's a lot of food that they add eggs, and mm. I do love eggs. Yes. Okay. Of course, our next item is also about food, specifically a Uruguayan reaction to yes. Taiwanese food. Now, this is an interesting combination. What, what What's the story here? Oh, it's just that um, Patty Santoro, she's been living in town for more than 20 years, and mm-hmm. she's from Uruguay, and she's a YouTuber herself. So is her daughter. And one time, her daughter challenged her to try five, well, 
quote unquote strange Taiwan local dishes. You don't have that、okay. many strange dishes. I have to be honest with you. Well, to her, maybe it's kind of strange. You know, it's not something they would find in their country. But wait, didn't、like、you、that. say that she lived in Taiwan? Like, yeah, familiar with them. You know, it's funny because I'm wondering if her mom just never really tried any of these five dishes because, from the look of it, I don't know.、Okay. But anyway, her daughter just said, "Hey, just take the challenge."、And、You've so, been here long enough. It's、yeah. time to take the plunge. Exactly. So she, the first dish she tried was pitan tofu. It's the um, um, the thousand year egg, year egg、oh, along、like、with、um, tofu,、uh, even、yeah. cold. That's not bad, right? And they put like this、um, sort of like a soy sauce. It's very thick, thick soy sauce, soy sauce it's,、um, over it with scallion, chopped scallion. That's that. actually quite nice.、Mm-hmm. I don't think that's strange. I mean,、Good、it doesn't look、you. great, but it's it's it doesn't look the most appetizing. It's black. The egg is black, but yeah,、um, totally black. It's、and、just it's, because of the treatment it's been through. It's not gone bad. Right. Well, that's what Patty's mom thought that it, was, it gone bad.、No. And then,、uh, if it weren't for that thick soy sauce, she probably wouldn't have even tried it.、And、so it doesn't even really taste like anything other than an ordinary egg. It's just a bit creamier. No, it does. It has that gasoline smell、I、taste to it. I don't smell, find that you could, with, between the scallions and that thick soy sort of ointment、exactly. that they put on it. I don't think that you can taste anything over those. It's overpowering. Well, that's that's what、um, Patty's mom was thinking. If it、okay. weren't for that thick soy sauce. And、uh, and you know the scallion, she probably wouldn't have even tried it. That's、eh, all right. Anyway, yeah, the second dish. Well, actually, also she decided not to have a second mouthful of that.、Oh, she gave up after one <laughs> That's, go. Right、okay. after one go. Okay, the second was、um, duck's blood. I don't like it because it doesn't taste、I、like anything. I don't either. Yeah, it's just like chewy and rubbery. And、oh. again,、oh, it's one of those things.、Okay. Yeah, it is. It is very rubbery. And the only reason that it has any taste at all is because it's in this sort of Sichuan style, very spicy, like spicy hot pot or whatever. Yeah, but yeah. I'm just like, well, why? What does that add to it then, except for texture? And I guess maybe iron, but.、Um. That I th- I think that's it. It's for this iron. <laughs> iron <laughs> content. Anyway, so to、um, Patty's mom,、um, she thought that it sounded more like well, it looked and tasted like salty pudding. It's congealed. I mean, it's not like、yes. like fresh blood. I don't know how they how they process it, but well, they do her, something to it. I know. She at first said no, no way was I going to try it, and when when she managed to, she said it's just. Tastes like salty pudding. It doesn't, it doesn't taste like anything. Doesn't really like it very no, much. I'm not no, a fan. not at all. Okay, the third dish was.、Um, it's the、um, not the stinky tofu, but it's the、um, the braised stinky tofu. That's worse. That's worse because it's more stinky than deep fried stinky tofu. They, they fry by frying it. They they also get, get rid of a lot the... of the smell. Right.、Um, so. Yeah, that's a bit of a interesting smell. If it's cooked in properly, though, it's not. That bad. Yeah. Well, Patty herself,、um, she took a bite,、um, and then she spit it out. She said it tasted too much like the toilet. Well, I don't know why she's been doing licking toilets, but to find that out. But、um, it certainly smells like one. That sounds gross. Anyway, yeah. Well, I, I like it. You know, I know it's much stinkier. Like my daughter loves this more so than the deep fried ones. They they're both good in its own way. So I love them both、yeah. either way. And、yeah. I've I've had it again. It's not something that you ever just eat by itself. It, it's co- it's prepared with other things. A lot of times, for instance.、Uh, 
one of the, my favorite uh, braised tofu places is in Shenkeng, which is famous for its stinky tofu, or uh-huh. tofu in general. Yeah. And it's sort of braised, but they put, you know, some pickled vegetables on it. There's a sauce that goes with it. It's not just, you wouldn't just eat it like, here's a block of it. Oh, it's always cooked inside of something. Or, <laughs> yeah. Okay. It comes with nice soup. It comes spicy, with other things. usually so, very spicy. Yeah. yeah. But that's good. All right. The next dish was the, um, the vermicelli with the um, pig's intestine. I don't like that. Yeah. It doesn't taste good. Okay, well, it looks gooey, right? Yeah, it, so, doesn't, it, does, it doesn't taste good, though. So, Patty, um, the mom, she said it just looked like snot. It kind like of does. nasal mucus. It, it, it kind yeah. of does. I can see that. It does, yes. It certainly does. But after a bite of it, she thought, oh, actually, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't as bad as she thought it would be. That's not so, good, though. I'm sorry. It's yeah. not good either. It depends on which stand, which stall you eat it from, because there's mm. one particular one in Ximending. It's so popular. There are like lines after lines of people. And know. that is not as gooey. I think it's the, it's the trick about how you make that soup not to be so gooey. It just doesn't. Which I think tastes better. But mm. anyway... The last one was chicken heart. That's yeah, chicken I don't like heart. that either. <laughs> I've had it um, okay. at barbecues and such, but it just is like yeah, a very tense. Like, so it just it's just like uh, I don't like the texture of it. It's well, crunchy. I, I think Mummy Patty is, is probably more you know accepting about these five dishes than you do, John. But I mean, um, it's like okay, use the whole said, animal, but I just it's yeah, not pleasant. I know. Well, she said that it didn't taste as bad as she thought, but it's just kind of tough. So it yeah. felt like she was chewing on rubber. It's crunchy. I don't like it. It's like, yeah, ugh. it's quite chewy. If you have nice, if you have good teeth, then that's good. Now I need to wash my teeth. That I can't eat anything too hard. Mm. My dentist was telling me. But anyway, so those are the five dishes that she okay. managed to try and took the challenge on her YouTube. <laughs> I mean, I've had all of them. Mm-hmm. There are just some that I am more fans of than another, I guess, like everyone. So, right. Uh, some of them I wouldn't go out of my way to eat. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you've ever saw the movie The Terminal before, where a guy... Oh. Stuck in an airport terminal because his yes, country's I dissolved. Have. More and his, than once. His yeah. passport, I guess, is no longer. I can't really quite remember what the story was, but anyway. It was with gotta, Tom Hanks. He's got to, like, make it without any source of income in a foreign country and he can't leave the terminal. Well, mm. um, these this group of over 100 foreign travelers did get into Taiwan, but then they realized that they couldn't go anywhere from there. They were stuck here and they don't live here, so they don't have permanent, permanent residence. Oh my goodness, there are 100 of them? More than 100. More than 100? Yes. So they're stuck in our terminal? Uh, airport, they're, airport? No, they're not. Like I said, they're not oh. stuck in the terminal, oh, but they oh, can't oh. go anywhere else. And like the guy oh. in the film, he doesn't have, they don't have any way to like legitimately make money. Oh. A lot of them are on tourist no, visas. You can't. Yeah. And even some of them who have skills that they could use here uh, are finding that uh, employers are not willing to jump through the many hoops required to hire mm-hmm. someone and get them onto a, a working, uh, visa, working visa. Kind of, yeah. Um, I did it, but mm-hmm. um, I had already secured a job beforehand, so yeah. it wasn't a it wasn't a tra- traumatic or difficult to change. The, we we were all on the same page before it even started. It wasn't like you were suddenly dropped. I was suddenly dropped here, you know. Right. And uh, they come from all over the place. Uh, for instance, there's one who was a real estate agent from Argentina who was uh, who came here. It looks like on February 21st. She had a layover scheduled here. She wasn't even coming to Taiwan. Okay. 
her ongoing flights were all canceled because none of the countries she was heading to had oh. their borders open anymore. She was heading right. to Southeast Asia. Right. So she wasn't even expecting to be in Taiwan. And then she realized that she's going to have to like make plans suddenly to stay here for who knows how long. Oh. She got in touch with a French woman who was stuck abroad and couldn't come back to Taiwan. And so <sighs> the French woman living here who couldn't come back let her use her apartment. Oh. And like it began, stories like these began to come together. And anyway, this uh, Argentine real estate agent set up a Facebook group called Stuck in Taiwan, Best Place to Be. Oh, okay. Well, so that's... actually a lot of them are, are figuring things out a little bit. Uh, uh -huh. The idea is to help people in need here. And there's, oh, not just... It said over 100 at the beginning. Now it says over 279 members. So that's a lot of people. They've joined from, let's see, Argentina, Turkey, Lebanon, France, the U.S., Australia, the U.K. They're all all over the place. Mm. Um, and the current co-administrator is an Italian who lives in the U.K., and she was just taking a break from her life in London and traveling across Asia. And she was going to stay here in f for like two to three weeks in like the end of February. Yeah. And... She heard from her family in Italy that her hometown was under lockdown, and two weeks later, the UK closed its borders too. And so, wasn't really sure what she would do. She found someone she'd met before from Taiwan when when she was in London, who let her crash on her couch. But uh, yeah, their funds—that's a real issue, though, because uh, for instance, uh, let's see, the Italian co-administrator says that since English isn't her native language, she can't teach it. Uh -huh. And even though she could teach Italian, there is a demand for that here. Uh, I know some people who Taiwanese people who studied it. She doesn't have a university degree. Oh, so she's not qualified to do that either. She tried do doing model work either, even that, but she doesn't have experience, and there wasn't a portfolio, and like so they mostly sorted out the housing issue, but trying to find employment and getting a proper temporary visa is what they're calling on the government to do now, and uh, I don't know if they're going to do anything, honestly. Uh, um, wow. <laughs> it's very difficult to make that transition if you haven't sorted out with an employer beforehand. Yeah. So, um, well, I can't believe it's something like the terminal, that movie, that this kind of thing would happen. Although, you know, the terminal had to do with like political. Something in his home country, like his yeah, home country it, dissolved and ceased right. to be, and his that, passport wasn't good anymore. That, yeah, I know. So that just sounds like a movie, you know, something for the movie. But this is, wow, this is really They're happening. Stuck. Um, yeah. So they've got a bunch of people telling their stories. One from Slovenia, of course, the Argentine uh, real estate agent we met, someone from yeah. Turkey, Lebanon, the US, Australia. They've all shared their stories on this site. Uh, about how they ended up in Taiwan one way or another, <laughs> another and because of this pandemic. And uh -huh. uh, But we're nicer foreigners. We're always nicer foreigners. Yeah, but they want a work visa, like a temporary yeah. work visa, until they can get home because well, one of them, you know, is a student. Uh -huh. He hasn't graduated in, in Taiwan. You've, if you're a foreigner who wants to work here, you have to have a degree. Right. Um, and he he had a ticket to go home, and then he couldn't. His flight was canceled. Uh huh. So they're all saying like the the Argentine woman who started this said that Taiwan is the best place actually to be. Of course, uh -huh. unlike if they were at home, they can wander around freely. No one's gonna make them. They have to wear a mask at certain times, but yeah. everything's open. Right. Um. You can go around. You can go to job interviews even. Uh. But. And she is grateful that the government's given visitors another ninety another ninety day extension on their. Okay. You know, landing permits or visas to stay, uh -huh. but they just need a little help trying to support themselves until they can move on to wherever they were going. So right. I wonder if the government's listening. <laughs> I don't know. Or, or they already have a lot of on their hands, but this is something, 
I know this is a, a new normal almost, you know, uh, yeah. for now at least for now. now and, what and surprises me is that because like Taiwan has gone to great lengths to get its national stranded abroad back home. Mm-hmm. I don't know what all uh-huh. the other governments are doing. Yeah, well, I mean, if it's only just like one Argentinian. Stuck here in Taiwan. Like uh, with our nationals in Russia, for instance, I think there was a very small number relatively. And even though the government didn't send a plane to get them, they helped arrange their transport through other airlines and means and and through a roundabout way got them back home. So I don't know. Hmm. Um, Maybe some other governments need to step it up as well. demon or someone just trying to make the world a better place? Uh, This is the discussion we're talking about here. Um, They're often called informer demons because it's felt that they are a bit excessive and overzealous in reporting small violations to the police or that they're just being nosy. Okay. Um, Or they're called professional informers sometimes because it's believed that they take reward money. But uh, uh, not not all of them are, though. I mean, cash awards are mostly offered, it says, according to this Taipei Times article, for environmental violations, like not cleaning up after your dog or littering. Okay. I think it's fair enough that they get a share of that because that's obnoxious, especially where I I live. We definitely need... We do not have responsible dog owners. Yeah. It's a bit of a tap dance getting to work in the morning. Like, you've got to jump over. Right. Well, in our neighborhood, they have all these signs put up saying that, you know, if you don't take care of your dog poop, then you'll be fined such and such. But still. No, when it's not enforced. Yeah. It's not enforced. And there are people who seem to be gaming the system. I mean, there was, to be fair, it looks like in Taipei, was it last year? Yeah, last year. The leading whistleblower reported over 3,000 cases, almost 4,000 cases of various oh types. Oh, my goodness. And the top five between them claim 75% of the money set aside for these. But it can be like a lot of people people are, are actually in it not for the money. A lot of the, the things that they're reporting don't get them anything. Like the, like I said, only certain ones have cash rewards. Mm-hmm. And it's dangerous, too. Uh, one was beaten after trying to take a photo of what he thought was a shady business deal in March. Well, that's in, not that was good. in Zhanghua. Another one had all their their personal information released and had got threatening phone calls and people oh. coming to their... Another one had people coming to their apartments. Oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah. But the one who... Um, was had people coming to his apartment said that he became an informer for traffic violations after his brother was hit by a car making an illegal U-turn. Oh. And it said the traffic at that intersection was a mess for 10 years. The government didn't, didn't change anything. anything. Yeah. So he wanted to do something. And so these were sort of not vigilante, but like people trying to right wrongs. Right. Another one who uh, talked to the Taipei Times is an informer from Kaohsiung who told traffic police he decided to take justice into his own hands after he was hit by a car that was running a red light. Uh, Uh, It said that he he says he not only wanted the violators to learn their lesson, he wanted to reduce the number of similar car accidents, according to one newspaper, Mm -hmm. uh, one policeman. Uh, It says that uh, they usually make people mad because they target the same areas and report kind of minor violations. I mean, one of them was attacked in Tainan physically by a scooter driver last year. Neighbors told the media that this informer was responsible for all kinds of tickets in the area, including an incident where a scooter just barely touched the white stop line at the red light. So, like, oh. some, you know, it is possible that these are kind of minor things, but sure. uh, people have, have had their information posted or themselves been yelled at online, like, why don't you get a real job? But uh, mm. uh, one person stood up for them and said if the driver or drivers are so afraid of being reported, they should stop breaking the law. Mm. Uh, it's a difficult issue, though, because another, then there's this case of a new Taipei City man last November who was convicted, actually, of doctoring 40 videos of scooter drivers spitting on the street and got rewarded for $288 per report. Oh. 
Oh, wait, we do get fined for spitting? I, the guy reported it and he okay. got so. So, like, it's really hard to say. Like, some yeah. of these people are not in it for the money, others are. Uh, I don't know. They've even suggested uh, putting a cap on this. It looks like some politicians want a cap on the number of for, for violations you can report per person, of, right? Yeah, yeah but uh, I don't know. It's it's a tough thing. They've got a Facebook group called Stand Up Professional Informers that says if the government wants to review the reporting system, though, they should also review how they're enforcing the laws that are on the books. Right. If it's against the law, yeah, it should be you know. It says we can't have the players and the referees be on the same side as one person who wrote on the page. So, mm-hmm. okay. all right. Well, that is it for today's edition of Here in Taiwan. I'm John Van Trieste, and I'm Shirley Lin. Don't go anywhere just yet. Up next, it's hashtag Taiwan, Taiwan explained, and in the spotlight. <laughs> Welcome to Hashtag Taiwan. I'm your host, Leslie Liao. This week, we're going to be talking about a controversial music video by a local artist named Fannie Lou. Now, Fannie Lou is an interesting case in that she's very pro-China in a climate where that's very pro-Taiwan. Her music video was quite unpopular at first. However, it gained some new life uh, in mid-May because of a parody that was created by a local artist. We'll dive into this very soon in Hashtag Taiwan. Don't go away. This week on Hashtag Taiwan, I want to talk to you about this lady, this dude, and these two music videos. Now, there's a lot to unpack this week, so let's just jump right into it. This woman is an artist known as Fanny Lu. She grew up in Taiwan, though she is controversial because of her pro-China views. RTI recently published a news article about how more people than ever think Taiwan should become a normal country, so Fanny's stance is rather unpopular. In the beginning of the month, Fanny released a video praising China. In the video, a man wearing green, which are colors symbolic of Taiwanese independence, attempts to remove Taiwan from a map of China. Check it out for yourself. Fanny lays the smack down on the guy and goes on to sing China's praises. She lists the Chinese provinces one by one, and then in the end says, Oh, China. (laughs) 
The video has not been well received. As of recording, it has about 2,000 likes and 42,000 dislikes on YouTube. As you know, people on the internet, they like what they like and they absolutely hate what they dislike. But there's only so much you can do about content you don't like, right? What do you want me to do, dress a dragon through the hula? I know, I know, it's a lot to unpack. That's Brian Tang. He is a self-made talk show host in Taiwan, and he has a background in biology and neuroscience, but he's committed himself to a career in comedy, and oh boy, is he good at it. Brian made a parody of Fanny's song, listing off Taiwanese counties instead of Chinese provinces. Brian's music video is a near shot-for-shot -shot remake of Fanny's. It replaces a lot of the lyrics and imagery with Taiwanese equivalents. And don't worry, Brian doesn't leave out the most important part. However, the fun doesn't stop there. If you look closely, the male model in both the videos are the same person. Now that's Guo Su Ting, and he's actually come out to say that he's thankful to Brian for giving him the opportunity to participate in the parody. Originally, Guo said he thought representing Taiwan in Fanny's video was a good thing, but he got a lot of backlash. Guo was worried that it was a career-ending move, but thanks to the opportunity Brian gave him, he said he felt like he redeemed himself. Now, anybody who is willing to dress themselves in drag and upload it to the internet certainly has my respect. Now, before we go, I'd like to actually encourage you to send me your ideas for hashtag that I could do. If there's anything happening online in Taiwan that you'd like more information about that I could research and tell you about, don't hesitate to send us a message at www.facebook.com slash Taiwan Insider. I manage the social media accounts and you'll get direct access to messaging me. That said, have a great day and I hope you enjoyed this week's show. Now, I was a member of staff during Taiwan's 14th presidential inauguration in 2016. Now, according to Natalie and Andrew, that makes me qualified to tell you the differences between the inauguration yesterday and the one before it. That's right. So you got Very 60 coffee. seconds. You ready? Let's do it. All right, go. All right. So both inaugurations were held on May 20th. In 2016, the Ministry of Foreign Affairs held a reception for 700 foreign dignitaries on the night before her inauguration. Tsai and Vice President Chen Jianren took their oath of office in the morning at the presidential office. After that, special guests took turn congratulating Tsai, while a crowd of 30,000 enjoyed performances outside. Wow. Tsai then gave a speech in front of the presidential office building. Ooh. That night, there was an, an official banquet at the Taipei Marriott Hotel. Fast forward to 2020, the inauguration is streamlined due to the pandemic. 
Foreign ministry reception? Nope. Overseas guests? Not invited. There was a swearing-in ceremony and a smaller meet-and-greet with representatives to Taiwan, but no one shook hands, they just bowed at a distance. Overseas dignitaries congratulated Tai via video, and instead of a big stage setup, they moved everything across the street to the Taipei guest house. Tsai gave her speech before a crowd of 200. There were no banquets. Wow, wow good job! Nice. You told us all of that Ooh. less than a minute! <laughs> Ooh, my heart is racing! <laughs> you did wow. a great job. Now, Leslie, you actually got an inside look at the inauguration back in 2016. That's what right. was your job? So I was in the, uh, the, with the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, the Department of Protocol, mm-hmm. and that handles anything and everything to do with foreign dignitaries. And like I said, there were over 700. Wow. So I think there were 23 different uh, like delegations, wow. and our department had to oversee like buses, transportation, and uh, it was really interesting. But we also were in charge of also setting up the planning for the banquets and a lot of the inauguration. Wow. Everything from the seating to... I remember my boss, he was just like, I'm not going to be here this afternoon. And I was like, why? He's like, I'm going tasting for the inauguration banquet. I'm like, oh, enjoy. That's the best part of the job. For him, yeah. Um, our job was more to make sure everything was very smooth. So... When you see, like, President Tsai, her motorcade pulls up to the front of the Taipei guest house like it did yesterday. She didn't have to wait for anything, right? Wow. Everybody else waited for her. Right. Did you get one of those, like, little phone wires behind your ear? We did. You we did. did. And uh, it was, uh, there was a whole science to, like, uh, attaching it to your suit, right? So do you make sure the, the wires <laughs> don't nice. show up? Yeah. And, like, I was the best one at that. So, like, everyone just, like... <laughs> All right, Leslie, you have to equip everybody's uh, like earphone to their... Well, that's amazing. Thank you so much for giving us this insider look at uh, the presidential this inauguration. This is Taiwan Insider. Yeah. <laughs> and that's uh, Taiwan Explained for this week. RTI. Exercise for your mind. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Shirley Lin with In the Spotlight. Welcome to In the Spotlight. I'm Shirley Lin. And with me, not in the studio, but online, are Carrie Kallenberger, who is a Canadian expat living in Taiwan since 2006. And she runs her own business. And then we also have Jessica Turiziani, who is an expat from the United States. And um, she's a freelance teacher, English teacher. Uh, she's been here in Taiwan since 2013. So let's say hello. Hi, welcome. Hi. Hi. First off, just want you guys to start off by introducing yourself. Like, why are you in Taiwan? Um, maybe we'll start with Carrie. Oh, okay. Well, oh gosh, it's such a long story. I moved to Asia uh, 17 years ago. So I'm going to give you the condensed version. Uh, I moved here 17 years ago and was living in China for three years and ended up meeting my husband there. And we decided to leave China, but we wanted to continue uh, living in um, a bit of a Chinese culture. So we chose to come to Taiwan in 2006. And initially we were teaching here for a couple of years uh, before I started my own business. The first two years, uh, or actually close to three years, I was teaching English. Uh, I'm also a a part-time singer, so I was really actively involved in the uh, music uh, and entertainment industry here. Uh, Then I did a little bit of work with some publishing houses, and and then I moved into uh, our current business, which is called Reach to Teach. 
So we actually work with governments uh, in, around Asia and in the Middle East, helping them place uh, teachers in their English programs. I've been singing since I was a little girl. I was classically trained. So there's not much that I can't sing. Uh, I'm no longer singing. I'm retired. Um, but yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun. We do a lot of uh, cabaret shows and uh, charity shows to help raise money for some of the charities that uh, Justin and I work with, the Taipei Ladies. Yeah, we're going to get to Taipei Ladies later on, but uh, um, that's something I'm really curious about. But uh, wait a minute, how can you retire from singing? <laughs> I don't think I would be retired, but I was diagnosed with a spinal disease in 2009 here in Taiwan. So I was having problems, you know, lifting my arm or walking, and we knew there was definitely something wrong. Uh, and when I finally got my diagnosis, um, once I got it, the disease hit pretty quickly. So actually, um, I'm not really able to walk a lot or stand a lot. Um, so that's why I work from home now. And um, one of the things, unfortunately, that I lost was the ability to go on stage and sing six nights a week for four hours a night. Um, I might get through one song now, but uh, and I still have my voice. Uh, I just the it's it, my health doesn't allow me to do that sort of thing. It takes a lot of energy to get up on stage and sing and perform for people. <laughs> And actually, um, I've talked to Jessica before. Um, Jessica, you were on my program before, but you want to refresh our memory, my memory too. <laughs> you know, just um, why you're in Taiwan and how long you've been here and what you're doing now. Absolutely. Um, well, like Carrie, I started out in mainland China. I was there for a year. And after that, I, I really like I wanted to move on, but I wanted to keep studying Chinese. And I previously came to Taiwan on a service trip from my university, and I knew some girls here, and I was chatting with them, and they were like, well, why don't you just come here? And I said, you know, okay, yeah, I'll give Taiwan a try. And initially, I said, I'll stay for a year, and funny story, I actually enrolled in graduate school in the U.S. online, like I, I did this all online, I enrolled I had my books, I had my classes, I had the start date, and then I decided, you know what, I'm going to stay another year, and here I am, I haven't left. <laughs> um, but actually, I a few years back, I met my, my now husband, and now I'll probably never leave. I'm not sure, but I think when I interviewed you last time, you weren't married yet, were you? I don't recall that last name sticking onto the back of your last name. I do believe I was not married as the last time we chatted. And I, I should have told you that when I did get married, I legally changed my last name to my husband's last name. I know that's not commonly done here, but, you know, I'm, I'm an American woman and that's what I wanted to do. So I did it. And now I have a very, very short, much, much <laughs> shorter last name than I originally had. I know, the last time I think I almost stuttered on your last name. <laughs> Ever, everyone does. Don't, don't even worry about it. I said, try writing out Kellenberger. I would love to shorten that. <laughs> but of course, your last name is really long, too. <laughs> but I essentially traded like one long, hard to pronounce last name for a much shorter, but also hard to pronounce like for my American friends and family they they have no idea how to say my last name now even though I, for me it's you know it's quite simple but then again I've been studying Chinese for quite a while. Carrie how are you with Chinese speaking Chinese? Mm, tai hao. <laughs> it's, 
so so. Um, I, I I learned in China in China, so you know I'm I'm pretty shy to speak here because I have a. Please don't ask me to speak Chinese. <laughs> uh, I have a, a northeast um, accent because I was living uh, up north um, about 14 hours past Beijing. So I have a hardcore Dongbei accent. And every time I open my mouth, people are like, oh, that's so cool. Ah, you're so cute. And I, I just like to keep my mouth shut. <laughs> I let pros like Jess take over instead. <laughs> oh, please. Oh, no. My... I, I've been here for a long time, but my Chinese is still so-so. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I let my husband handle most of our Chinese business, so I, I've gotten quite lazy over the years. So you're in a business uh, with your husband? Oh, oh I, I didn't mean like business as in like a, like a business. I meant more like just our day-to-day activities. You know, like we go into a shop and I just, I let him talk because he's Taiwanese. So it's just much easier for him. But I, I, I mean, I know what to say. And if I was by myself, I, I could have handled it, but I just, I've gotten very lazy is what I meant. Well, just be careful. You know how it is that you can just go rusty with a language if you don't use it that often. And you're already in a Chinese speaking country. So you have no excuse. <laughs> I know there really is no excuse. I need to just uh, get back on it. But this, like I'm trying to, you know, practice more social distancing. So I'm staying at home a little bit more. So I'm not going out as much. And there are days when I go, I won't speak Chinese at all. And I I just, I feel myself losing vocabulary and, uh, you know, recognition. And I have to get better at this. Yeah. It's just like Taiwanese people. Um, they could go and maybe spend a year in the States or a year in Canada um, and they come back, you know, got the basics, but if they don't keep it up, then they lose it. And right. it's really a pity because it's not an English speaking environment here. Mm-hmm. You're listening to In the Spotlight with Shirley Lynn. Okay, well, let's go right in and talk about Taipei Ladies. I'm, I'm just really curious just how it got started. Wait, either of you started this thing or how did what happened? Um, we, we did not start the group. Carrie and I did not like actually physically start the Facebook group. But it's funny because we actually both were members of the group and we started um, we joined the admin team, the administration team on the same day. Carrie looked that up, that information up for us. So we've, what, what Carrie has, how long has it been now? Four years? Four years. I just checked again, just before we entered, uh, the video call. So it was 2016. All right. Wow. First of all, you guys need to tell us what is Taipei Ladies? Uh, well, we're an information exchange group for, for women in Taiwan, and uh, we're, not, we're a little bit different from other groups. Uh, we're not an events group. Uh, we don't do parenting so much. We do allow those kinds of things through, but the basic premise of the group is to provide information for uh, local women and expat women, expat women, um, and uh, to create a community and a space for women to get together and support one another. It makes me think of the community center for, I think it's for, it's, it's actually there to help expats. Oh, it is. But you guys are specifically just for ladies. 
We're just for yes. ladies and we're, we're online. So the community center is the center that you can go into. I don't think that they have an online group. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Sue Babcock is, is really involved with them and she's in our group. Um, but uh, Taipei Ladies is just online unless, uh, the admin te- unless the admin team decides to organize something. So Jess jumped on our clothing swap um, events uh, maybe two years ago, and I'll, I'll let her tell you a little bit more about that because that's her thing. Um, and we also uh, organize events and get-togethers and lunches, and uh, we have craft days as well so that members can get together and, and learn from each other. Jess has held some yoga classes. So it's most of it's online, but we also meet up in person because uh, it's important to have not just online friendships, but to have uh, real-life friendships as well. And it's for me, I could say it's really opened up my world. Um, I've met so many amazing, incredible women here, local and foreign um, it's just been a really great, uh, positive experience. Yeah, this sounds really, really great. I mean, I know, you know, with social distancing, I really don't like the fact that I'm home a lot. I'm so not used to, you know, getting in touch with people because it's just only me and my husband here, you know. And, and yeah, I just can't stand the social distancing. But definitely, I mean, there are great things about doing things online because that means, there are no boundaries in terms of finding a place, setting a time, because you can do this anytime. But I think humans are created so that we need to be in touch with each other. We need to see each other face to face. We need to touch each other, you know, give a hug or something like that. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I got to say, I miss I miss meeting up with friends and seeing friends. We've actually put a ban on events in the group until the CDC and the CDCC tells us it's okay to go ahead and and meet up again, and that's just for the safety of the group. But I, I have to admit, I really miss uh, meeting up with uh, my girlfriends and and seeing everybody from the group. I hope you'll come to our next event when we have one, Shirley. Okay. How many people are in the group right now? How many women? We've got over two thousand. I honestly, I should have checked the latest stats. Let me, let me pull that up right now. I'm on. I can uh, get it. But we're we're what twenty five hundred something. Something so, like 2,267. 273. 2,273. <laughs> Someone must have just added some new members. <laughs> so, wait, you're talking about just expats in Taiwan? No, it's local as well. Local. Locals. But you're all in Taiwan. I mean, ideally, yes. I mean, I know that some women who have been here and have since left they are still in the group and they still like some actually do still contribute, but um, there are a handful of members that no longer live in Taiwan, but we, we only accept women who are here or are planning to come here. That's actually one of the membership questions that we ask before we will let you join the group. I think that's great because I hear you saying that even like for, for people who planning to come to Taiwan to be able to join this group. I think that's so important for them because, you know, think about all the, uh, the fear and uncertainty about coming to a new country and to be able to exactly. get that kind of help before they arrive. I think, mm-hmm. you know, that gives a lot of assurance. Exactly. I think that's why we, we do let women in who are not in Taiwan yet into the group because so they can, you know, like, hey, I'm moving there in a few months. I have questions like, should I bring this? Do I need to pack this? Can I buy this locally? Do I need a prescription for these? Like, you know, 
because in the U.S., like just for example, to get um, something like birth control pills, you need to go see a doctor and have a prescription. Whereas in Taiwan, you can buy them at the pharmacy. You're right. Even little things think, like that is very important. Mm-hmm. Yes, Carrie? And the benefit to the group is that we have a lot of uh, women who are in the group that have lived here for a really long time. So pretty much every question gets answered. Uh, if, if the admin team can answer it, somebody else certainly can. Um, I, I can say for myself uh, with our business, all the women that I interview and that end up coming to Taiwan, I tell them to join Taipei Ladies. And uh, it's amazing to see some of the new questions that come through as they're getting ready to come here. And then the questions that happen when they get here, you know, where can I eat? Where can I get vegetarian food? Uh, you know, where can I get plus size clothing? Uh, it's, it's, it just covers such a broad scope of uh, topics. It's, it's really great. There's a lot more Taipei Ladies has to offer. So make sure you join me next week on In the Spotlight. I'm Shirley Lin. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kHz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kHz. And in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kilohertz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International. Thank you.